Hello and welcome to your Actives AgriFood podcast. I'm Paula Andres. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from your Actives AgriFood team. This week, young farmers' worries and animal welfare labels. So welcome back again. Uh, to this new episode of the Euractive Africa Food Podcast. I'm here with Paula today. Hello. I wasn't here last week. Who? Me or you? Me. Are you? Yeah, no. Because, Where were you? Yeah, thanks for the question. <laughs> thanks for the question. Uh, I was actually in Liverpool covering the Eurovision Song Contest, a very important agricultural event <laughs> in Europe. <laughs> But you have different... different um, Facetas. Yeah, yeah, facetas. Uh, different, <laughs> different interests, let's say. Different. Uh, yeah, it's true, it's true. There's always, uh, there are always good stories at Eurovision uh, Song Contest because, of course, it's all countries uh, bringing together and uh, gathering together and, uh, and having uh, fun, for sure. But also there are, uh, there's a mix of, of stories, mix of uh, interesting news, like, for instance, uh, There was this issue of Zelensky, who wasn't allowed to speak. So there's also mm-hmm. a lot of politics, geopolitics, particularly in the voting system. Uh, but not many know that there's always, or at least it's something that uh, I try to find every but year. I'm nervous now, say it. No, there's always <laughs> an agricultural angle. Is there? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And I do, I, I give my personal dues point, dues point is basically when the jury uh, gives uh, 12 points to the uh, best, yeah. uh, to the yeah. best, uh, you know, the, 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 ex- the performance that they think it was the best. And I have my personal, every year I have my personal dues point for agricultural reasons. For instance, last, two, last year I gave my dues point to this uh, song by Latvia. Uh, which was called uh, Eat Your Salad, the actual Citizeni. I'm sorry for my Latvian pronunciation. And it was basically a song about switching to a plant-based diet, promoting more organic food stuff, mm-hmm. uh, reducing waste. So basically it was about the use farm to force strategy. Maybe it's the next song for the... This, <laughs> this was last, last year in, in touring. I was there too. Uh, so my juice point went to, to the Latvian entry. This year, though, my 12 points, my juice point, uh, went to the Croatian entry. The Croatian entry uh, by this... Uh, they, they're very famous in, in Croatia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, It's true. Uh, our editor-in-chief uh, could say that. And uh, they're called Let Tree. And um, this song was a bit of a parody, mm-hmm. a satire. And uh, why I'm giving this point? Because the first uh, sentence of this song is, is uh, literally uh, Mama Cupi la Tractora, which means uh, Mommy bought the tractor. So... So um, the price for agricultural reference. Indeed. indeed. Unfortunately, I, was, uh, I landed in Liverpool the day after they had the press conference. Otherwise, I would have asked if the mother was a beneficiary of a common agricultural policy fund, because you'll be talking about real agriculture machinery. Um, there are some, some helps from the EU when it comes to buying these uh, uh, <laughs> this, this tools. Um, but unfortunately, I couldn't ask the question. Um, I could try to contact them uh, by email. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. 
interesting enough to point out is that he's not the singer who bought the tractor, but his mother, which means that it's particularly difficult for young people to uh, buy agricultural machinery. Either a tractor. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, young farmers are struggling and this is something that we could also uh, witness this week since there was a conference by CIJA, organized by CIJA, uh, the Young Farmers uh, uh, European Council. Um, so in this uh, whole day conference, the, there were several panel events where uh, young farmers could uh, discuss with policymakers, with representatives from uh, European organizations and NGOs about their worries and their concerns and what and and give their their take on where do they they think uh, policy should go. Uh, so there was discussion about the soil health, upcoming soil health law, about uh, animal welfare as well, about NGTs. Um, so yeah, we spoke to some of them uh, during the conference, and and here's what they told us. So my name is Herman Boom and I'm a young farmer from the Netherlands and I have an arable farm at the southern part of the Netherlands on the heavy clay. Um, today I'm here to talk about uh, my experiences on my farm and the plan that my father and I had about growing protein crops. Today I brought my story to the policymakers and I um, pointed out that it's really important to reflect on the farming activities and to have a reflection from young farmers outside who comes from the field to reflect on the, uh, the policies and the ambitions that the Commission and other European institutions have mm -hmm. to make sure that we come forward to a sustainable future but that it is possible to adapt by a farmer. Hello, my name is Katharina Schobersberger. I come from Austria and I'm a farmer myself and um, delegate to Seizure from the rural youth um, from Austria. Um, so for me it's very important um, to have young farmers represented because um, also I um, will at some point take over the um, farm of my parents-in-law together with my um, fiancé. And uh, yeah, I'm very looking forward to it and I think it's important to um, kind of shape the way um, and to facilitate um, people and especially young farmers uh, being able and also wanting um, to take over the farm. And you mentioned, uh, Paula, uh, among the, the next uh, bullets in... Uh, okay, this is too violent as a reference, but no. Uh, the next initiative that the Commission is about to present, uh, you mentioned uh, the NGTs, the gene editing uh, proposal. And we, we know from last week, we also had uh, the podcast on that. Uh, there was... Uh, uh, there's still some clash between the commission and uh, some MEPs. Uh, we, ha we published last week a very interesting uh, uh, story by Natasha uh, on this sort of blackmailing from the commission. So basically, mm -hmm. either you go on with the pesticide cuts plan, the sustainable use of pesticide uh, uh, regulation, or we don't, uh, we're not going to present the gene editing uh, proposal. Uh, this because um, Policymakers who strongly want this new framework are actually uh, the ones that are most vocal against the uh, pesticide cuts. 
Uh, and it's the same with stakeholders, mm-hmm. uh, to be fair. Also, the, the stakeholders that are backing NGTs, um, they, they're also the ones that are a bit more uh, uh, critical uh, toward the, uh, the, the, the uh, sewer. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there was also another guest at this conference that you had the possibility to talk with special guest yeah yes there was also uh franz timmermans uh, the vice president for the green deal uh, for the commission's green deal um and he he also spoke uh he also spoke at the at the conference uh, in the beginning um he's he spoke a lot about how um policies like the green deal are important for young farmers uh, who are the ones who are starting and will in the future suffer the consequence of the climate and the biodiversity crisis. Um, and he he also spoke to them uh, on, on the sidelines of the conference just before getting into into the into the room. Um, so we went after him and literally, literally, yeah. Uh, I was limping after yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I forgot my crutch. Um, yeah, for, for those who doesn't who don't know, uh, Paula is actually injured uh, at this yes. moment. So it was uh, a huge effort. <laughs> yes, uh, and so I asked him if he's uh, actually worried about the EPP's pushback against uh, green policies, and let's hear what he answered. Well, I hope I, s- I can still convince them. You know, my offer to them is: let's talk about it. Give me your grievances. Concretely, so what precisely don't you like in our proposal? Just dismissing a proposal without giving concretely what you don't like is not going to help us. Uh, so that's what I said to uh, MEPs uh, of the EPP last week in Strasbourg. Give us your grievances. Give us what you don't like in the proposal and we'll sit down and we'll discuss and we'll find a compromise. So, yeah, so that's what he told us. He will uh, try to find a compromise, as he said, uh, and maybe this will begin to happen uh, today as he is uh, meeting both with the Agri-Committee and then with the Environment Committee. Uh, so we will keep an eye on that. He's going to be everywhere, uh, Franz Timmer. He is everywhere. Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> this is also because, uh, you know, there's this joke yes. in the U-Bubble that uh, he's actually Santa Claus, no? Uh, <laughs> it's like, I mean, the... They're quite similar, and uh, since Santa has managed to do all, all he can do every year. And keep everyone happy. Yeah, yeah keep everyone happy. <laughs> That's, uh, I, I can, I can say that this could be a bit more difficult than uh, the normal uh, efforts by Santa Claus. But let's see uh, what could happen. Um, of course, stay tuned uh, on your active. But now we move to the second segment of this podcast. We give the floor to Julia who spoke to representatives of animal welfare labels from two different EU countries. When you buy meat or other animal products in the supermarket, do you look at animal welfare labels to make your decision? Many consumers want to know under what conditions animals were raised when they buy food. And animal welfare labels are one way to inform them about this. But of course, such labels can come in many different shapes and sizes. And in its upcoming proposal on food labeling, the Commission might propose a voluntary EU-wide label that would set harmonized standards across the bloc. In many member states, national labels already exist. From mandatory ones created by the state, such as the one that is currently being rolled out in Germany, to private voluntary ones. 
And somewhere in between these two sites is the LV label in Finland, which is a voluntary label that was developed by independent researchers, but the development was initiated and funded by the Finnish government, which had committed to introducing a label. And since there was no animal welfare labels at all on the Finnish market at that point, this was a step uh, to respond to consumer demand, as Essi Valenius, a researcher who works at the company running the label, explains. From looking at the Eurobarometers uh, from 2006 until 2016, the consumer trust towards uh, animal welfare in Finland actually crashed. So the decrease in the trust towards the level of livestock welfare in Finland was the biggest in the whole Europe. So the percentage of, of consumers worried about uh, livestock welfare was the highest in Finland compared to other European countries. And we did a lot of consumer research at the time, uh, trying to resolve why this was happening, why the consumers were so worried. And one of the reasons was that they can't affect um, what they buy in the store. So actually they were asking for a welfare label. Meanwhile, in the Netherlands, the Better Life label owned by animal protection NGO Dierenbescherming has become the biggest one on the market, as Janneke Allen from the NGO explains. The Better Life label is a voluntary uh, animal welfare label, also owned by an animal welfare NGO. And it gives animal uh, farmers the opportunity to get um, an improved gain if they have proven uh, better animal welfare. And we do this through a three-tier system, so farmers get either one, two or three star uh, stars for the level of animal welfare that they achieve. Unlike in Finland, where the new label filled a gap in the market, the Netherlands have a whole jungle of different existing labels, and this can chip away at consumers' trust, according to Janneke Allen. But independent control mechanisms can help. A benefit that we have in the Netherlands is we have an organization called um, Milieu Centraal. They compare the different labels um, by different criteria, so um, actual change to make, how, how they operate, um, and so forth. Um, and they also choose every year a couple of what they call top labels. Um, so th those are the ones that they recognize as, as working well and actually making an impact on what they're promising. So our labels on all the animal categories are always selected as a top label. So that works, um, of course, a great way for consumer recognition. On the other side of the food chain, animal welfare labels also have to get farmers and retailers on board. In Finland, Big retailers like Lidl pushed to advance the development of the label later on in the process. But the original initiative came from the producer's side, according to Essi Valenius. Well, in Finland, the biggest dairy, um, the biggest farming industry is dairy, dairy industry. So the initiation have come from dairy industry originally in Finland. Um, those were the first ones to react to the Eurobarometer results as well. So the dairies were the, there were two smaller dairies in Finland that Uh, came to us asking if, if there's any sort of certification scheme that we could go into. And since we don't have any in Finland, is there any potentially available in the EU that we could jump into? For the Dutch label, meanwhile, it is usually retailers who are in the driving seat, says Alan. So retailers are usually the one that initiate um, farmer, farmer participation. They have certain products that they want the label on, and then they select um, a group of farmers that are... Um, usually already close to the standards that we have. Um, and they guide the farmers in the process of certification, um, making sure they, they are meeting all the demands, and of course, the, the timing of the process as well. Um, 
And of course, they negotiate with the farmers. Usually, they um, guarantee them a long-term sales of their product, and also they get, of course, the benefits and the costs of uh, the extra cost of production that the additional criteria costs. As existing labels, EU-wide standards for animal welfare labeling could impact the work of both the Finnish and the Dutch organizations. Still, Alan from the Netherlands is open to an EU-wide label that could coexist alongside national ones. I think it can go hand in hand, both can exist. Um, I think there might be a lot of benefits um, that there would be an EU-wide label that is easily recognized. On the other hand, like we already talked about, label confusion, so adding another label um, will add to that. In Finland, meanwhile, Valenius is split when it comes to introducing an EU-wide label. I think there should be control uh, in what the labels can say, just like we have, for example, with some makeup products that you you have to put the word on the side saying this picture is uh, like enhanced or something like so people don't think that when they buy mascara, it's actually going to make their lashes like meter long. <laughs> um, so I think the same should be applied to labels to make sure that the standards of the labels are actually higher than the legal requirements, for example. But that being said, I think that since we have a very different type of countries in the EU, we have diff different type of national uh, legal re requirements, etc. There should be a lot of movement um, and flexibility still within the certification schemes that the national levels want to uh, put forward. Meanwhile, something that's still evolving both in Finland and in the Netherlands is the role of specialized animal welfare labels on one hand and the organic label on the other, which also includes some specific animal welfare standards. The Dutch Better Life label, for example, has been slowly loosening its ties with organic farming, Alan explains. Well, we have a close connection to the organic label. Initially, all our three-star um, products were, um, or at least I should say, organic products were automatically labeled as three-star. I must say we are moving away from that. Uh, for example, for dairy, that's not the case anymore because we felt that um, organic standards for dairy was lacking on animal welfare standards. Um, on the other hand, we also do feel the consume of uh, the pressure from either retailers or consumers to be to have a more integral approach because people trust our label, they know our label, and they buy our label. They like to see everything covered in the one label they trust. Valenius also stresses that in Finland too, organic does not necessarily mean the same as animal welfare. Yes, in a sense that we have a lot of organic farms that are coming to LV. Um, they want to have a welfare label on them, on their products as well. And a lot of the organic farmers uh, fulfill the housing demands that we set for LV. But then again, we also have to do the welfare quality assessment on the farms. And sometimes organic farms don't do as well as, as other farms, as some other farms don't either. So the level of the actual welfare looking at the animal itself with animal-based measures can vary widely in organic field as well. So that's all from us this week. This week, the AgriFood podcast was brought to you by your Actives AgriFood team. That is Julia Dam, Gerardo Fortuna and Paul Andres with the technical support of Evi Kiori. This podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms such as Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher and Apple. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agricultural news from your Actives AgriFood team. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week.